Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. You are our strength, and you are our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to think about a time that you made a mistake. A time you thought something, said something, did something that was hurtful to someone else. Maybe you entertained jealousy of a friend's success. Perhaps you were more harsh than you needed to be with your child. Maybe you were less honest than you should have been at work. And knowing most of you as I do, I imagine that this wasn't something that you were happy about. You, you knew it was wrong. You did it anyways. But as you thought about it, you, you only felt worse. You wish you had done the right thing, but you couldn't help doing the wrong thing. And although you could apologize to those you hurt, and you could do your best to repair the damage done, and I trust, knowing you as I do, that you probably did that, you nevertheless know that you can't ever truly undo what's been done in the past. You might try to rationalize your behavior, but you still know you made a mistake. So the self-condemnation remains inside. This is something that we tend to do as fallen human beings. There's an unavoidable tension present in us as we become aware of those things that are right and good, and then we find ourselves actually powerless to live in the fullness of that goodness that we know exists. Even St. Paul was familiar with this tension, and we read it in our passage. Right before our passage today, the verse right before our, our opening one, he said this, For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Oh, can you relate to that? I certainly can. And this is unfortunately kind of part of the human condition, right? We're sinful and simply knowing what is right, while that's good and helpful, cannot make us do what is right. This is because knowing something is not enough in itself to change our nature. So how can this tension be resolved? Although we all experience it sometimes, if we leave it unchecked, this conflict between knowing what is good and knowing that we can't really do it, it's only going to lead us to despair. It will leave us there. And ultimately... That kind of unchecked tension will, will break us apart and it will end in death because just knowing what is right and what is good isn't enough to address the actual issues. So when we become aware of this inner conflict, which is just so clearly laid out in today's text, the wrong thing to do is to accept that inner tension, that inner conflict, as just inevitable. In other words, don't think that just because the Apostle Paul shared in this struggle with us that we remain necessarily enslaved to selfish attitudes, actions, and affections. We can't simply shrug our shoulders after we read today's passage and think, oh well, at least I know that I'm wrong. And think that we're, we're okay, because we're not going to be okay. And that's not where Paul leaves it. Right? The, the appropriate response 
to realizing our inner desires don't match our actions out in the world is to exclaim with Paul after making that realization, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And once we recognize and acknowledge just how needy we are in the face of our own physical and spiritual frailty, we stop trying to justify ourselves in our minds. Because once we're honest with ourselves, we realize that we cannot justify ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean that we take a dive into despair. That's what happens if we, if we just leave it with the, the whole, I can't believe I have this inner conflict thing. But remember, Paul doesn't just leave it with the lament. He moves to rejoicing. And so we can rejoice with St. Paul as well when he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, why is that? How can we make that move? Well, we rejoice because of the good news. What we cannot do, which is make ourselves right, which is make our, our, our fundamental uh, knowledge of what, of what is good match with our actions, we can't do that. But God did it in Christ. He made us right in Christ. So first, Jesus made it so that Self-condemnation, when we sin, no longer drives us to despair. Okay, And in fact, this is what we read as we move into Romans 8. There is therefore, now the therefore here is referring to this whole argument that Paul has been making from Romans 1 all the way through Romans chapter 7. And we've been preaching through some of these passages. So keep all of that in mind. Remember last week, dead to sin, alive in Christ, and so on and so forth. There is therefore, because of all that that's come before, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, brothers and sisters, is the same thing as justification. And two weeks ago we talked about justification. You remember this? Justification is God's declaration that we have been made right with Him. Now how did this happen? It's because our sin... Track carefully with me on this. It's because our sin has been condemned and judged already in the flesh, that is, in the body of Christ. For God has done with the law, weakened by the flesh, that's our sinful desires, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Romans 8, 3. Now, notice this. God did not condemn Jesus, okay? But he condemned the sin that Jesus took on himself. See, Jesus was the eternal Son of God. And what he did was he willingly took our sinful human nature on himself by becoming incarnate, which means enfleshed as a human being. And since he was God in the flesh... And since he himself did not actually sin, but rather took on our sin nature, he was able to defeat the deadly power of sin in that flesh by enduring the just wrath of God against all that is anti-life. That's what sin is. It is an anti-life power. And this is what Christ was doing when he died in our place on the cross. 
And we know that he endured it. And we know that he was victorious in this because he was raised from the dead with a new, incorruptible, unfallen, perfect body that will never die again. So you see, because of what God has done in Christ on the cross, in the incarnate, not just the cross, but in the incarnation, in becoming one of us, in the cross, and in the resurrection, we can resolve that tension between what we know is right and what we actually do. We can resolve that conflict within ourselves first by realizing the truth that we are no longer condemned by our sin. So when we do sin and we, and, and we find ourselves kind of sinking towards depression and despair, we remember that the sin of the whole world, including whatever it is that is driving you into that dark place, has already been condemned and dealt with once and for all on the cross. God doesn't need us to help him with condemnation. He's already done it. And so we can let go of this ultimately self-destructive way of thinking where we're just in despair because of what we've done and we know we should have done better and this and that. We, we can let go of that and move on from our sin. This is part of what it means to be free in Christ. So knowing that we aren't condemned and knowing that that sin has already been dealt with on the cross in Jesus, we are free to live in hope. And that transforms how we live in the here and the now. And again, this isn't simply about, look, this isn't simply about just not feeling bad about our sins, okay? I'm not saying, um, uh, hey, don't worry about when you sin. Uh, you don't have to feel bad about that. That's not what I'm saying. It's about being free from your sin, okay? And truly living as we were always meant to live. And that's why we have to keep going in our passage to see where this is leading us. We're going to go on to verse uh, 4 in Romans chapter 8. Because Paul says that God dealt with our sins in this way for a specific reason. Listen to the reason. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In other words... God did this so that being free from condemnation now, we can be joined to the resurrection life of Christ so that he lives by his spirit in and through us. And so as we trust his spirit in us more and more over and against our natural desires, which are not trustworthy, we become more and more like him. So we start thinking like him. We start speaking like him. We start acting like him. And what happens is our old sinful self withers away. And what is left is what the Bible calls the new person, the new creation. This is the process of being made holy. So again, this isn't saying that you never sin. Okay, That, that conflict is real, but it is saying you're not condemned for that and now you're free to stop wallowing in it and being and being completely drawn back to it over and over again and now you're being drawn towards something else now you're being drawn towards life in Christ and this is your destiny this is the rest of your existence growing closer and closer to Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and the theological term for this is sanctification so when we say sanctification that's what we're talking about we learn to trust the Spirit. And listen to this, okay? This is how this gets put into practice in our daily life. 
We learn to trust the Spirit by paying attention to Him. We pay attention to Him in prayer, in Christian fellowship, in worship, in reading the Scriptures, in contemplation, in receiving the sacraments, in tending to His presence in the most vulnerable among us. These are simple, everyday rhythms of trust in the presence of God and His promises to be where He's promised to be. They are everyday rhythms of attention. And most of the time, these are small, subtle, dare I even say sometimes boring things. But it's in faithfulness to this continually turning our attention back to what God is doing, what God has done in Jesus, in the Spirit. It's that that's going to produce transformation in our lives. And so this is why St. Paul says those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Their attention is on their natural desires that pull them away from the way of Christ, in other words. But listen to this. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. This isn't about having some kind of special knowledge. It's, again, knowledge is not enough to produce transformation. It's about putting your attention on God. Paying attention to Him. Listening to Him. Following Him. Where is He leading you? Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So, sisters and brothers, when you experience inner condemnation, recognize it for the lie that it now is. If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. There is only life and real freedom as you set your attention on Him, as you trust Him and walk with Him by the Spirit. Amen.